Welcome to Financial Education for the Nation. My name's Warren Shute, and I'm here today on this um, overcast mystery day, certainly not a June day, with delightful Paul. How are you, sir? Yeah, good morning, Warren. I'm well. Are you good? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. Um, it's been a very busy week. It's a good week. I think you've had a busy week, but um, that's good. And you know, maybe summer's around the corner somewhere. Optimism. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so, definitely. It's, uh... So, today... I wanted to talk to you about Tax Freedom Day. Tax is a big topic that we all pay, um, or certainly most of us pay, and um, Tax Freedom Day is a day that was developed by the Adams Institute. Um, and it's really a benchmark for the average person, how far they go through the year until they start earning money from themselves as opposed to paying tax to the government or the revenue. Okay, and um, for from January or from the financial year? Starts from January, so January the first, and it runs all the way through. And tax freedom day actually this year has been estimated, obviously because we don't know what the tax receipts are until the end of the year. But it's typically about the same time every year. It's the thirtieth of May, two thousand and nineteen. Wow, it's quite a way through the year then, isn't it? That, that's a that's a that's a sobering thought. About forty percent of the way through the year. So if you think about this, what they're doing is they're estimating your taxes, such as your income tax, your national insurance, which we'll all be able to understand. They're allocating a proportion of corporation tax receipts, VAT spending, insurance premium tax, all the different taxes that you can think of. And they've said, okay, how much does the average person earn? How far through the year do they have to start earning this money until they've stopped paying their portion of tax and now they then start keeping the money themselves. Now, there's an average person here. So some of us will be higher earners. So we will have a tax freedom date that is actually later in the year. Some of us, if we're non-earners, will have a tax freedom date which is earlier in the year. So that's an average day, but an average day of 40% of the year is pretty startling, isn't it? It's a bit worrying. Yeah, it certainly is. I think, um, yeah, uh, uh... Looking, looking forward to, to getting more money in for the rest of the year than I suppose. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Is when you sort of wake up on January 1st and think, gee, I've got to get through the first five months before technically I can actually keep some money myself without paying it away, is a little bit sort of um, concerning, really. About £700 billion of money, the, um, the, the, the individuals in the population, I was going to say earnings, but it's not just earnings, the population of the UK generate for the Treasury to allow the country to run. And, you know, we need a lot of the services that they're, they're providing, definitely. But it's a startling thought to think that we get through 40% of the year before we start keeping some of the money for ourselves. And um, what I wanted to do is then break down a little bit for the, for the listeners income tax primarily because I think that's a main tax we can then touch on possibly inheritance tax as well um, and some of the things that the, the listeners can do to um, bring their tax freedom day their personal tax freedom day a little bit closer um, to the 1st of January now we're never going to get it and we probably don't want it to be the 1st of January because we mm -hmm. like the society that we live in but um, just trying to make sure that we keep as much of the money we earn um, as we can Okay, so what can the average man and woman do about that? Because you, you hear a lot on the news about kind of this scheme and that scheme. You, you, yeah. Every so often there's a scandal usually involving celebrities that have got caught up in something dubious or, or outright dodgy sometimes. What, what, can, what can we, as the average people, do about this? 
I think the first thing is to say that if it's a scheme in its, in its right, so if it has been put together to deliberately de deprive um, paying tax, then I would avoid it. I would run to the hills. And that's really because the rule book is set out in such a way that um, if we want to live in this country, we really should be abiding by the rules. And those rules are that we pay our legally fair share of our tax. And when when these very clever individuals put their minds together, quite often not, they'll put together schemes that are in the area of grey, things that haven't quite been spelt out very, very clearly in the in the legal text, and therefore they'll exploit that and try and put a scheme through so we can save tax. Those things more often than not end up going to a court. These things are going to cause you headaches and heartaches, um, and my advice would be just to don't get involved with them. And if you are involved with them, go and seek some advice about untangling it. But first, I think the first place to start is you know, to know where you are. You know, where are you now? What's, what sort of tax are you paying? Um, and if we look at income tax for a starter, so this is the tax that we pay on money we earn. So it's not money we make on a capital gain sale. So we sell a rental property. That's called capital gains tax. This is from earned income. Uh, and our income tax rates are we get the first £12,500 a year without paying any tax at all. So any income tax at all. So £12,500, no income tax. The next £37,500, we pay income tax at 20%. So what we've then got is we've basically got £50,000 of income being taxed at no more than 20% of income tax. Then we've got the next £100,000, so basically taking us up to 150, taxed at 40%, and then over that £150,000 of income, we're then taxed at 45%. So they're basically the broad bands, and by far the majority of people listening are going to either be in the 20% band or just approaching into the 40% band. So, you know, there's a, but one thing I would say is the thing that people often forget is in addition to those rates, we have national insurance. Now, national insurance kind of makes it sound as though it's an insurance, right? But it's just a tax. It's just an additional tax. And those tax rates are pretty much equally as high, um, but rarely get spoken about. You know, we always talk about our income tax rates, but we rarely talk about national insurance. Now, national insurance is paid in addition to income tax. Um, and on the first £8,600 a year, you don't pay anything. So it's tax-free. And then between 8,632 and 50,000, you pay 12%. So you've got to work this out. So there's a period of time where you're actually paying um, 32, uh, yeah, 32% on your money, whereas we really talk about a 20% tax rate. And then over 50,000 pounds on national insurance is at 2%. So really, those two things should be added together when calculating your income tax. And uh, we can put the specifics in the show notes, but... You know, it's, it's quite hard. Um, now, that's for employed individuals. For self-employed individuals, the rates are slightly different. Um, there's nothing up to 6,300 or so pounds. And then there's a 3% fixed fee um, that you pay. Sorry, £3 fixed fee you pay every week, um, £156 a year for being a self-employed individual. And then you pay 9% on your profits up to uh, £50,000 and then 2% over that. So it's slightly less for a self-employed individual. Um, I, I don't know why why they, they come up to these reasons. But what I would say to people is 
really understand what your tax rates are and look at your personal tax code. This is something we do with people when they come in as a client. Look at your tax code and make sure it reflects yourself and you understand why. You should get what you call a notice of coding sent through to you every year so you know what that is and just really understand it. And if it's not the standard notice of, a code, notice of coding, challenge it, ask, make the inquiry, either speak to your payroll department or speak to HMRC uh, and make sure you're getting the right tax deducted and it's done appropriately. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and and I know I had an issue with that many years ago and, and I did actually challenge it and they changed it. And I don't know why it was wrong, but these things can happen, I suppose. They, they do. And they've happened to me. Um, I don't know if you remember a few months back, we did the basic state pension guide um, to show people to get them to understand the basic state pension um, and national insurance contributions are credited towards the basic state pension. Um, I thought, well, I've written this guide. I probably should follow it myself first before I <laughs> leak it on to all our followers. Um, and when I followed it myself and I logged into the government gateway, I realized I had a number of years of gaps in my national insurance contribution history. Um, I'd always paid national insurance, always qualified paying national insurance, but there are about six or seven years gaps. So I've got an inquiry open with HMRC at the moment saying, hey, you know, what's going on? Why haven't you done this? And I'm providing evidence to them. Um, and I'll, I'll let you know what the conclusion is once it comes around. Okay, so that's that's income tax, and and yep, like you say, that that pays for our society. We all we all pay that on what we earn, so we can't really change that too much in terms well, of the, the basics. And you, you you can't. There's a couple of things we can do, uh, and okay. I think it's important for listeners to understand what they can do, which is simplistic and obviously very legal. Um, yeah, pension contributions. Pension contributions are the first thing. Um, making a contribution to a pension basically means you get your uh, income tax back on that contribution. So if you're a basic rate taxpayer, it gets added to your contribution when it gets made. If you're a high rate taxpayer, you get the extra amount claimed back through a tax return. So if you are making pension contributions and you earn more than £50,000 a year and you make the contributions personally, i.e. your employer doesn't make them for you, you need to ensure you're claiming the higher rate tax relief uh, from HMRC. Otherwise, they won't give it to you. Okay, so this is an important point. Um, I would say, I don't like to exaggerate, but I would often receive a new client come in, there'd be a higher rate taxpayer, and they've not claimed the higher rate portion of the tax relief. So when you make a pension contribution yourself, you get the basic rate tax relief given to you. So you pay £100 into the pension, you get the 20% added back to it, so that amount of money gets invested. You then need to write to HMRC at the end of the tax year and tell them that you've paid X amount in, show them the evidence, and they will then refund you the higher rate tax, or they will adjust the amount you earn tax-free to accommodate. Okay, so that, and that's for anyone earning... earning over over £50,000. £50,000, yeah, okay. So, yeah, maybe... Maybe that's not quite so well known if someone's just had a pay rise or they've, they've just gone into it. When we look at, um, sorry, I've talked to you there, Paul, but when we look at income, we look at all your income there. So t income from all sources. So if you get a bonus, for example, uh, at the end of the year, then it's definitely important for you to do that. Um, another important point here is to say that if your employer allows you to do a thing called salary sacrifice or salary exchange, it's the same thing, different words, it basically means you give up some of your salary and instead they pay into the pension for you. 
you should really take them up on this offer because it makes it more efficient for you because you save the national insurance. And if you look at the highest rate, national insurance is 12%. That's an extra bonus into the pension for you. Okay. Now there are some very small caveats around. Just be careful in respect of sometimes when you go in for a mortgage, it can affect how much you can borrow because you'll be giving up some of your salary. Um, and sometimes if you go on some kind of um, benefits, if you claim benefits, uh, it'll work on your salary. It can change that, but get some advice. Um, but generally speaking, by giving up some of your salary and having that pensioned rather than you pensioning yourself means you're going to save that 12% national insurance contribution, which is a massive amount. You know, when we look at, um, say, like a, a, a one or one and a half percent difference in your investment returns, what we're trying to do is get a one, one and a half percent difference all over, compound that over a 25 year period. We're, we're talking like 50 percent difference in your overall fund value. So it makes a huge difference. So salary sacrifice, go and get some advice, but usually is a great way of doing it. Um, second thing on the same kind of lines as um, pensions are charitable contributions. You know, if you're making a charitable contribution, typically you'll get the basic rate added to the contribution through just giving or something along those lines uh, yeah. when you get paid. Um, so you give the money, they'll add the, the, the bonus to it. But you can claim the higher rate back yourself as well. So you can claim the higher rate um, of the difference between the um, basic and the higher rate through your tax return, just like you would in the same way as a pension contribution. Okay, so it works exactly the same way. So that's another thing worth doing. Now, those two things primarily benefit the higher earner, okay? Pension contributions and charity giving, because you, you, we're talking about claiming the higher rate tax fee. Something that will benefit the non-earner and a basic rate taxpayer is what we call the married couples allowance. So if you're married in a relationship, one of you doesn't earn, so there's a, they're a non-taxpayer. It's not quite true, actually. If one of you is a non-taxpayer, so they could earn, but only up to 12500 a year. So one of you is a non-taxpayer, the other is a basic rate taxpayer. You can actually transfer 10% of the allowance, the personal allowance, the £12,500, across to the basic rate taxpayer. So the non-taxpayer can transfer £1,250 across to the basic rate taxpayer and therefore give them a higher personal allowance. Now that saves £250 a year in tax. Uh, something's got to be claimed, it's very, very straightforward to do but definitely worth doing. And this is something that's, I know we've, we've covered it briefly quite a while ago now, but this is something that's massively underutilized, isn't it? The statistics it are pretty stark about how few couples are actually taking advantage that, that could do that. Hey, do you know what? And, and I, I'm not surprised really, and I'm not also surprised about the claim of the higher rate tax. Um, if the revenue can record our tax and can record our um, national insurance contributions, everything else, why can't they automatically give us higher rate tax relief? And why can't they automatically give us a married couple's allowance? You know, it's not <laughs> rocket science, is it? It just, you know, so I'm not surprised. Hey guys, you get up in the morning and you've got a million and one things on your mind from getting the kids to school, to going to work, to paying your bills and actually having a bit of fun, enjoying life. And maybe planning some kind of sunshine for the summer. Um, the last thing I'm sure on your mind is, oh, I must claim my married couple's allowance to ensure that goes through. Um, so I completely understand, completely understand. But hey, that's what we're here for, just to give you some sort of snippets to tell you what's going on, that kind of thing. A couple of other little things that you might want to consider. Ensure that if you're doing mileage at work for your boss, you can claim the 40p a mile up to 10,000 miles, I think it is. Um, so if they're only paying you a, a lesser amount, you can actually claim the difference. 
Um, and I think it's 10 p a mile over the 10,000 miles or something. All these things, all this information is available on the website. Um, if you're working from home, you can have a use of home allowance, whether you're employed or self-employed. Okay, so you can do that. And there's various ways in which you can do it. Best thing is to go and get yourself a decent accountant. Um, just pay for an hour of their time, ask them what they can do. Um, an accountant, if they're any good, will certainly save their fees in getting you organized and helping you out with your tax planning. But making sure you're claiming your mileage for your car and making sure you're claiming for the use of home and the usage of the businesses um, is, is, you know, is essential. They're basics, really. Yeah, and more and more of us are working from home now as well. So, yeah, again, that's probably quite relevant to quite a number of people. And, and again, not, not a widely publicized thing. No, 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 definitely not. And it's important that we make sure that we um, do things which are completely within the realms of the law and are available to us. Um, I tell you what maybe I'll do is I'll do a check sheet. I can uh, put together a check sheet quite straightforward. I, I use one with my clients so I can bring it together and we'll attach it to the to the uh, blog post on warrantreat.com so people can go there and download it if they just want to say, okay, I'll do this, do this, do this. And it's really use it as an aid memoir. So use it as a, a prompt um, for you to then investigate a bit further because um, tax can be quite complex in its area and each of you watching and listening will be individually in your own right so it wouldn't be right for me to give a blanket recommendation that everyone goes and does this but if you then think oh I might be able to claim that let me go investigate it further for myself um, you never know what other things might open up as well so, um, and then the, the, the other big tax that I wanted to sort of move on to and just sort of touch on really was inheritance tax um, that's another tax that virtually all of us are going to pay. Um, but it is becoming better, um, in, res in respect of, um, more states, estates are moving out of the inheritance tax, uh, band. Um, and that's basically, uh, we all have 325,000 pounds allowance on our death. So when we pass away the first 325,000 pounds, this tax is 0%. Uh, if we're married, that can pass across to our spouse if our estate passes across to our spouse. And so therefore, when they pass away, £650,000 is taxed at 0%. So that's very, very good. You know, it's great. One of the um, things that came in um, a number of years ago, now about four years, I think, was the principal private residence allowance. And this is less um, commonly known, but the principal private residence allowance is an additional allowance that sits on top of the 325 if you have a main residence, if you have a home, okay, which passes in their terms to your direct descendants, i.e. to your spouse, or it passes on to also to your children or grandchildren, okay? Um, and that in the moment is 150,000 pounds on top of the 325, it's going up to 175,000 uh, pounds next year. So eventually when we add those figures together, the two 325s and the two 175s, you've got a million pounds. So potentially a million pounds can pass down to your children without incurring any tax. Um, one little thing on there that you just got to make sure you're aware of. A number of years ago, a lot of people uh, wrote wills with what we call discretionary trusts in them. Um, if you have a will with a discretionary trust, just get it checked because some of those wills are written in such a way that you will lose or should I say not qualify for the residential nil rate band. Okay, so it's important you just, if you've done that, you think, oh, I remember doing that, just go and get it checked. If you have a property trust, or also known as interest in possession trust, that's fine, that'll be okay in there. And these trusts are really put into the wills, um, not to avoid tax, 
but just to protect assets on your death so things pass uh, more efficiently. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit um, just making sure that when you're not around to um, have your influence on, on what happens, you've set things up before you pass away so things can go on that way. So, um, and if you haven't got a will, guys, come on, you've been listening to this for a number of weeks now, please, please, please go and get a will. There's a questionnaire on warrenshoot.com. You can download, fill it in, take it to your local solicitor. You can send it off to my firm. We can introduce you to people, get things sorted out for you. We're that sort of passionate about getting will sorted. Um, we think it's an essential step. And then immediately, once the will's sorted, get yourselves to your lasting power of attorneys as well. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a basic, it's a foundation. It's number two and three out of the eight foundations um, from the House of Wealth in the Money Plan. And if you haven't read the Money Plan, go and pick it up and have a look. So uh, that was kind of a, a whistle-stop tour of tax, really. I think tax can be quite a dull subject in its, in its entirety. Um, and I think I just wanted to sort of give almost like salient points, um, snapshots, so people have a bit of an understanding of, okay, I'm earning this money, this is how it's taxed. Uh, I've not only got my um, uh, income tax that I understand how that works now, I've also got my national insurance. And I now understand how that works. Um, and then in addition to that, a couple of things, how you can save it. So maybe try and get your salary sacrifice pensions in there or claim your higher rate tax. Or if you're um, basic and a non-taxpayer, claim your married couples allowance. Um, so you're doing things that way. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good, good tips for, for everybody there. Yeah, yeah. Just basic stuff. In, in obviously with the inheritance tax, let's make sure that we get that sorted out. Um, and uh, another thing on the inheritance tax, actually, I should probably just ensure that we, we, we mentioned two, two things. One is your pensions. Um, just check the nomination of beneficiaries on your pensions. Make sure that they are down so you know who they're going to be. Um, if without a nomination of beneficiary, the trustees, the people who run the pension, might pay the money into your estate, and therefore that becomes taxable. At least if there's a nomination of beneficiary, it should sit outside of your estate. And if you're going to leave it to your husband, you might want to then just write a letter um, to accompany that so that rather than just going to your husband, if you both pass to get away together in quick succession, car accident or something, it can then go down to your children so it can avoid your estate. Any life insurance policies, term policies, that kind of thing, um, we're in single names, let's put those in trusts. Um, and you could also put the death in service from work uh, in most circumstances into a trust as well. All we're doing here by putting things into trust is we're keeping them out of the net. We're keeping keep them out of the estate. Um, and we're just making sure that they are going to go down to the children, uh, people we want them to, typically our children, that kind of thing. If we don't do these things, that life assurance and death in service could all be paid into your estate. And therefore, it's just going to compound the uh, the estate value and maybe takes over that million pound that we've just been talking about. Um, and then inheritance taxes paid at 40% um, on the excess over those nil rate bands. So pretty significant. All right. Good stuff. Well, good. Thank you. No, no problem at all. It was, it was a whistle stop tour this time. I think we've done a bit, bit more in depth on inheritance tax in the past, but if anyone would like any more information or like us to drill down a little bit deeper on that, then just message us, let us know and we can certainly do that. Brilliant. Take care guys. Take care Paul. Great stuff. Cheers, Warren.